Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Gentlemen, please stand and turn your attention to the White House. I have a message for Jeff Bezos and his class. If you attempt again to overturn the Amazon tax, Working people will go all out in the thousands to defeat you. And we will not stop there, because you see, we are fighting for far more than this tax. We are preparing the ground for a different kind of society. And if you, Jeff Bezos, want to drive that process forward by lashing out against us in our modest demands, then so be it, because we are coming for you and your rotten system. We are coming to dismantle this deeply oppressive, racist, sexist, violent, utterly bankrupt system of capitalism, this police state. We cannot and will not stop until we overthrow it and replace it with a world based instead on solidarity, genuine democracy, and equality, a socialist world. Thank you. As long as our economy and political systems prioritize profit without considering who is profiting, who is being shut out, we will perpetuate this inequality. So we cannot stop at criminal justice system. We must begin the work of dismantling the whole system of oppression wherever we find it. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 8th of July, year of our Lord, 2020, going a day early because, yeah, you got a lot of stupid. Our intro was the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds on July 4th. Love that sound. It was so awesome. And followed by a socialist city councilman and Omar, you know, that saying people go with a lot lately if you're conservative, if you're just a normal, you know, not a die-hard liberal, is believe people when you hear what they say. I mean, listen to them. And right now, if you're not listening to the left and Black Lives Matter and you think it's just really about, hey, we want equality and it's about how fucked up the police are you need to listen because that's not what this is about (laughs) nothing is about the police they don't give two fucks about George Floyd they never did 
It was a catalyst to push forward their socialist agenda. And this show, we're gonna we're gonna see it because there's a lot of crazy man. I mean, it, I do a woke section now instead of a news social media nuggets, but the whole fucking thing's that. I mean, just my intro and my A block and going through all the crazy that I won't even list out because it's just too much. I have 125 pages of crazy script. It's just crazy. They've taken crazy pills and they're not stopping. And sadly, we're in a new realm where there's two laws. There's laws for you, a normal person, a conservative black person, Latino, whatever. If you're not on their team, there's a law for you. And then there's a law for them. We thought just the National Anthem was the beginning of two. But we're doing Jim Crow in reverse now. That's their plan. There's literally schools in Seattle or in, in um, Washington that will open and POC will go back to school. Gays will go back to school. Transgender kids will go back to school. White kids won't. Because you have privilege. You already are going to get a job automatically because you're white. And they'll go back to school. You'll stay home until there's, what, a cure, I guess? So you just never will go back to school. That's not made up. That's real. That's what they're doing. They're doing the two types of America. Their whole thing is give up your possessions. You had a good run because you were white. Now you're going to be poor. Now you're going to be the minority. It's it's like that lady said. You're lucky we didn't go after revenge towards the white people carrying a tie. Well, this is what they're doing to everybody. And if you think if we elect these fuckheads in November, they're not going to do it to the middle of the country. Once again, listen to what they say. Believe them. It's right in front of you. And so we begin. Bridget Gabriel probably has the best one right now. Want to know what true racism is? Joe Biden picking a running mate based on their gender and skin color. Think about that for a second. If any way this was reversed, if you you rolled the dice and you had a white person or a black person or whatever picking a white person, it would be over. And she did this right before Joe Biden put out his tweet of the day, which, once again, I'm I'm not an idiot. Most of the tweets we read from these people, it's not them. It's it's some underling. We're going to beat Donald Trump, and when we do, we won't just rebuild this nation. We'll transform it. Listen to what they say. Believe them. The world... The whole appeal of Biden's candidacy was supposed to be a return to normalcy, not revolution. By transform, you mean destroy? We see exactly what you're doing right now all across the country, which is why I'll be voting for Trump. Me. To a lawless, policeless, gunless, Taliban-esque re-education camp hellhole. You are fucking up, people want other than Trump. But you keep riding with the extremists on the left who seem to hate non-progs and burn their houses down or murder them. 
middle is going to reject you. And they are. But he's riding the wave, just like the media and the left. They don't realize it's just 18%. You know, we live in a world where people literally believe we're 50% POC. The demographics have flipped. 25% of the country's gay. And I'm not being a homophobe or a racist, but that isn't what our country is. But on our TV and everything you talk about in your politics, your TV shows... They live in parts of the country where it is 50% gay and 50% POC. And that's the country they see. They don't see the rest of the country. And realize that we're 77% white and we're only 5.4% gay, LGBT, humping little kids, all the fucking freaks in that pile over there. Because you guys count everything. Every freakish thing is in the LGBT cabal, but that's only 5.4% of the country. It goes back to that 18% want to rip it down. The media, TV, the Democrats believe it's everybody. The country wants this. No, they don't. James O'Brien, there's no actual culture war, is there? It's just a new way of describing disagreements between people who hate racism and discrimination and people who love it. Meanwhile, woke is just replaced politically correct as the most pretentious way of saying, not a massive bigot. And that's how they shut down the conversation. That's the left in a nutshell. Whenever you disagree with them, you're a bigot. We're moving forward into the 50% POC, everybody's gay, transplant wombs so men can have babies world, and you just want to stay in the past. And I have multiple ways to show this. The first... No justice, no peace. Brianna Amiria. A car drove past a protest and trolled him with Trump signs and Trump flags. Meet Chloe Hespler and her family from Leland, Connecticut. They made it their mission today to disrupt the BLM movement. Did I mention that she is a nursing major attending? They doxed them, including their license plate. Because they drove by the protest. And you can't do that. Who are you? That's everywhere now. Cancel culture so fired up, they are going after anybody who doesn't agree with them. Anybody. If you don't agree, you're going away. We're going to ruin your fucking life. Because it's about us now. You had your turn. You had your turn. Even if you didn't have your turn. Or you're not super, super rich. Or you live in a fucking double wide down by the river. Yeah. You had your turn. Now it's our turn. They say. As they try to ruin your life. For an opposing view. Not being a not being a fucking racist, not fucking treating people poorly. We're just talking. You're done. It's over. Go fuck yourself. And how do I know that? I find a thread, and I rep- I don't even know what I was responding to. Oh, it was the electoral college, and I said the following. And I I believe this with all my heart. 
It's essential or the people destroying our cities would pick the president every time. E-college is essential to maintain the union. I seriously believe it. The divide between the coast and center has never been wider. Plus, with the left pretty fascist, revenge will rule elections. You just heard it. Ilian Omar, some fucking nutbag for fucking Seattle. Destroy the country financially. Rip it down. We must rip it from the stem. Racism, they say. It sounds like something Khaleesi said on Game of Thrones. We will rip it from its stem. But you're not talking about racism. You've cloaked it in your intersectionality to mean everything. Every time you fail, it's racism. Everything we do is racism. Financials, racism. Banks are racist. We destroy it. Everybody gets the same amount of money, except for us. We get more. Everybody gets a house, except for us. We get a better house. These people are fucking nutjobs. How do I know? Here is a rando. His name is Denningston Scanner. This is all in caps. The whole time it's in caps. I, I put it all together. Because I responded to him and called him a skinny jean, fucking latte sipping nutbag that, you know, and, and mocked him for everything he was saying. Because now, believing in the Electoral College means you're a Trump supporter. Believing in the Electoral College means you're a racist. Believing in the Electoral College means you want to kill people in the streets like a cop. These are three different replies. You lost... You're the past. Get used to it. You have no power anymore. The world is moving on without you. All you have is a sad little memory of when time was good for you, but bad for everyone else. Just disappear and leave. The future to the winners or else. And I asked him what the else was, but he wouldn't say it. You know what else, bitch? You know we outnumbered you. Don't test your luck, racist scum. You will not win. If you shut up and disappear, you may just live a long life basking in your hate. But if not, dot, 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 you shame America. You're a straight-up traitor if you support traitor scum Trump. You fought for nothing. If the Trump dictatorship destroys America and Americans, it's not a threat that anyone hurting America will be stopped, including you. It's a fact. Wake up, grow up, stand up. He's part of that 18%. They speak in bumper sticker. But this 18% ripped down Frederick Douglass' statue. A free black man. He bought his own freedom. He was the key element that turned liberal white Americans in the North to make the abolitionist movement, which is good. Not saying it's not bad, but he was the catalyst. He was the Barack Obama of the day, folks. An articulate black man. That's what they were saying. The white liberals. Who say that about articulate black men? Because they spend their whole life saying black people can't do anything without a leg up. Because we've made it so hard for them. In Atlanta, and we'll hit this specific one in a bit, 14 people shot at the 4th of July gathering. Most bunch of kids. The National Guard was brought out. We'll hear from the mayor in a bit. 
And then that turned into a whole thing. Turning into a military zone because you're a racist. And finally, people pushed back. People started saying, okay, well, you trash our shit, we'll trash yours. So in California, somebody went out with some black paint and painted over the yellow Black Lives Matter. Oh, man. We got a Karen in the house. What's happening? What's happening, Karen? What's happening? Aw. No one wants you here. Oh, what the f no did you just say? Black Lives Matter here. Get the f out of here. Oh, what you want? What, say that again. You want I say said that? no one wants Black Lives Matter here. That's what I said. Oh, really? All lives matter, you punk. Not good kids in cages right now. That's good. This is not happening, okay? Yes, it is. You dumb. You know what? The only reason why the only reason why you're crying, why people cry police brutality, people are resisting arrest. Don't have a run-in with the law and don't resist arrest, it won't be a problem. That's not what's happening. They literally kneeled on that poor black man's No, nobody did, nobody agrees with that. Did you don't agree with that either. For $20? So then? That was wrong. Why are you paying over Black Lives Matter if you said that was Karen's still at it. Karen's still at it. Black Lives Matter, all lives don't matter. All lives do matter. No, they don't. They don't? Then explain to me how people keep getting killed. All lives matter. Those people right now are being charged with a hate crime. A hate crime. They were arrested for painting over, painting on a road. So let's make sure we understand what I just said. Protesters defaced a public road with the BLM stuff. Not sanctioned by the mayor. These are protesters. They just painted it. Other people came out and painted it black because they're turning it back to the road, and they just did the B. That's a hate crime. But ripping down every statue and calling every forefather a racist is not a hate crime. Beating people in the street, not a hate crime. Black people that have murdered people, not a hate crime. The, like every episode, white people being beaten by black people, not a hate crime. You see where I'm saying two different laws? And it's not the black people calling for this. These are white liberals. So then it spurs Kevin McCarthy, not somebody I really like, but he's 100% true. Dear Democrats, you cannot save America if you don't even believe in her. Claire McCaskill, Donald Brazil. Kevin L. Johnson, Dr. Benjamin Janoway, these are all blue checks, alright, losing their fucking shit. Dr. Craig Malkin, Ryan Watts, and this is the one I'll read. Weird, it seems like the only party that believes in striving for a more perfect union is the Democratic Party. No! You don't want a perfect union, you want an imperfect union. You have bought in hook, line, and sinker to crazy socialist concepts 
and the college campus tomfoolery that our system set up so nobody can be successful other than rich white people. Which is proven every day to be false by black superstars and sports and TV and movies. Because remember, there's only 13% black in our country. And I hit these statistics not to be a racist, just to keep saying, none of this is grounded in reality or truth or facts or anything. It is a college campus thesis. People have made careers coming up with this white fragility crap. It's their industry. It's how they make their money. I mean, do you think the white fragility lady who's telling the whole country that we're fucked up and every white person needs to just give up everything they own and become a slave to the socialist revolution? Do you think she did it for free? She's making millions of dollars off a book telling the whole world, you're idiots. You're believing what I'm putting out here because I just wrote this in jest because I knew it would sell. <laughs> Which brings us to our fourth. I'll start the fourth with a soundbite, but every fucking media goddamn conglomerate wanted us to know what Cal and Kaepernick said. Black people have been dehumanized, brutalized, criminalized, and terrorized. I'm a bumper sticker by America for centuries and are expecting, expected to join your commemoration of independence while you enslaved our ancestors. We reject your celebration of white supremacy and look forward to liberation for all. In 2011, 12, 13, 14, and 15, happy 4th of July, everyone. I hope everyone has a blessed day. Because now even he's woke. Just super woke. So, our 4th of July up front, and then we have a huge 4th of July in This Is America, because the, the speech is still going. There's Everybody felt they had a virtue signal, and it just went crazy. And it's stupid, because nothing Trump said was racist, and nothing Trump said was wrong. But you can't tell that by our media. St. Louis couple again. They got harassed fuck, but they got a new gate. CNN dogging Trump patriotism. Duckworth tear down Washington, which we'll talk about in a second. MSNBC fourth is for white people. GOP linked to Wallace again. Everybody, he's a damn. Yeah. CNN, Trump's a cult leader. Putin. Got that in there. Yeah. Putin. They're predictable. Tonight, President Trump tweeting a video of a white couple in St. Louis pointing guns at protesters marching outside their home. But there is much more to this story. Tom Foreman is out front. Of all the president's recent tweets, these two fiery clips have raised the summer heat the highest. But like so much on social media, the full story is more complicated. Start with the video Trump retweeted from ABC News showing a couple in St. Louis brandishing guns while protesters move past on a private street. The man holding the gun explained to a local TV station. I was terrified that we'd be murdered within seconds, that our house would be burned down, that our pets would be killed. 
But the demonstrators were not targeting that house, according to a reporter at the scene. They were going to the mayor's home nearby to demand her resignation after she publicly announced the names and partial addresses of some people who want police reform. Have zero go to the police, so that's... The mayor has apologized for that, even as she maintains a strong law and order stance. An overcoming tragedy. After all, her husband was murdered in a carjacking attempt 25 years ago in front of her home. But was this protest threatening anyone? I think that's ridiculous. Avery Rich took video of the armed couple and simply does not believe they were menaced in any way. These people are coming out to uh, disrupt the peace and to bring attention to a cause. But in no way are they coming out to incite violence. The other video shared by the president shows some of his supporters rallying in Florida and clashing with others who oppose his re-election. Trump calls his backers in the video great people, even with one saying... The video triggered immediate outrage from a Republican senator. I think it's indefensible. We should take it down. Uh, That's what I think. The white power comment comes loud and clear just a few seconds in, but the president's staff portrays the post as an honest mistake. Did he accidentally tweet that? So the president did not hear that phrase in that portion of the video, and uh, when it was signaled to him that this was in there, he took that tweet down. So that might be be true, but George Washington, Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody would call him a traitor, and there are moves by some to remove uh, statues of him. Is that a good idea? I think we should listen to everybody. I think we should listen to to the argument there. But remember that the president at Mount Rushmore was standing on ground that was stolen from Native Americans who had actually been given that land during a treaty. Um, And again, let's talk about the greater context of where we are in our country right now. The president very much wants to give this speech, it sounds like, from the Lincoln Memorial. And you write, the president's starring role has the potential to turn what has long been a nonpartisan celebration of the nation's founding into another version of a Trump campaign rally. And I'm just wondering, Josh, I mean, what kind of speech would he give? Would he give a presidential speech or would he give one of these sort of foaming at the mouths speech that we sometimes see at the rallies where they clamor? You know, we hear we heard it just last week where people in the crowd clamor for violence. Well, I think his advisors themselves don't know what he's going to say before he gets up there. Uh, the speech would supposedly be about America and patriotism and the economy and his administration's accomplishments and, you know, kind of a rah-rah speech. Uh, but the president often goes off teleprompter, as we've seen time and time again. So what he would actually say from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial with the assembled throngs out there uh, is really hard to know. And so here we are, celebrating the birth of a nation, independence for white men, at a site described by one Native American activist as, quote, a symbol of white supremacy. Trump choosing Mount Rushmore for a 4th of July campaign stop is just like when he chose Tulsa, the site of the 1921 massacre against black Americans for his Juneteenth weekend rally. It's that cruel, tired, and familiar jab to black, brown, and indigenous people that makes the shrinking MAGA voter feel as big as a 60-foot face of a colonizing slave owner. As you say, quite stunning when you think that he was president of Russia when President Clinton 
with President America. One thing to say, uh, you have had different President Putins over his term. Early on during those Clinton years, uh, he was much more uh, friendly towards uh, America. Then you had the Iraq-Afghanistan wars, which Russia was really uh, furious about, uh, and President Putin uh, put his cards on the table and made the switch with a famous speech in, in Munich. Going forward, though, uh, I suspect that you're going to see the same kind of nationalism and cynicism uh, from President Putin. So, yeah, and I'm old enough here to remember when President George W. Bush said that he uh, looked into his eyes, Vladimir Putin's eyes, and trusted yeah. him. I wonder if that is still the sentiment. I In the last few weeks, we've heard the president talk about a number of things, including Confederate monuments and the protests. What are your biggest takeaways, and how do you think this is, res this is resonating with voters across the country and, of course, in Alabama, where you are? Well, Trump is still uh, heavily favored to win in Alabama and across the Deep South. He is very popular in the Deep South. I have to tell you, though, that I am still disappointed in his campaign and a little surprised by it. He is running his second campaign the same way that he ran his first, as the heir to George Wallace. And here in Alabama, as a native of Alabama, the rhetoric is unfortunately familiar. All of Wallace's rage and resentment and racism are clear in the president's rhetoric. And while that appeals to his base, a minority of whites who are racially resentful, it does nothing to expand uh, to a winning coalition for November. Glaude says the bigger picture is that Trump is using race to stoke fear, like many Republican leaders before him. I think the idea of appealing to white resentment and white fears, drawing on uh, a particular understanding of America as fundamentally white, uh, that that language has been a part of, of Republican strategy uh, since I remember remembering. Right? It's been a part of my political reality uh, ever since I became aware of American politics. So he sits somewhere in the spectrum between Ronald Reagan and, 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 uh, joining me right now is CNN medical analyst, Dr. Celine Gounder. She's a professor of medicine and infectious diseases at NYU's Grossman School of Medicine. It's good to see you again, doctor. Taking the politics out of it and focusing in on the science and the data. If you have an event that is out, that is outdoors, 7,500 people are expected. Face coverings not required. There will be no social distancing program in place. What would your level of concern be here? Well, Kate, I'm highly concerned. This is beyond irresponsible. This is the behavior of a cult leader who is jumping off the cliff, except he's jumping off into a safety net where he has protections around him. People around him are being tested. He's being tested on a regular basis while he asks his followers to jump off a cliff into nothing. I mean, this is extremely dangerous behavior. And unfortunately, this has become so politicized where you abide by public health and scientific recommendations on the basis of your political beliefs, not based on the science. And people are really going to be harmed as a result of this. I want to ask you, um, because the president very clearly continues to deny the reality of the data and the science that is coming in and ignore medical experts who you have to assume are telling him what they say in public to him if he would ask. No matter how many times public health officials, especially like Anthony Fauci, are speaking the truth, what does it do, doctor, when the president continues to lie to the public 
in the face of a public health crisis. Yeah, yeah, you're all garbage people. You didn't do all this shit under Obama, so the country was great when we had a black president, I guess. The, those people weren't racist. Sean King went out, used somebody else's shit. He stole somebody's picture because it was really cool on the on the left to go, everybody in this picture with the red dot owned slaved. For the Declaration of Independence, the painting. Alyssa Milano ran out last night, the temporary president. Everybody said, I bet you a hundred bucks you didn't even listen to it. And by the way, everybody's a temporary president. CNN ran out. Things, the people, I'm sorry, people's list of what um, they love about America. The Cuomo brothers, which is actually false because his ratings started to dip when he did it. There's an actual article from Lefty Sites. The first time was cool, but then he kept going back to the brother thing and it just fell a fuck apart and people stopped watching him. Serena Williams, Harry and Megan, the, P- the Pace of Medicine, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, Workplace Equality, Virtual Commencement st- Addresses by Oprah and Obama, Anderson Cooper, Birth Control Pills, bod- Broadcasting from Home, Katie Sowers, Dwayne Wade and Gabriel Union, John Cho, Randy Rainbow that we played on the, on the show, the gay guy. And then what was also really cool was multiple days of stomping on the American flag or burning it in front of the White House.
they're just trolls. They they did it on purpose. It's all great. And I guarantee if you burn the flag the moment Biden's elected, you will be fucking crushed. Then there was CNN and every news agency losing their fucking shit because Corey LeJoe, number 32 Ford car, will debut on the Trump 2020 paint scheme in red, white, and blue on Sunday, the Brickyard 400. It's the latest in a series of political messages that have appeared on the NASCAR cars in recent weeks. Sorry, guys, given the political climate and the message NASCAR is trying to make regarding racism, this is not a good choice. Sometimes money should not be driving force, and it smacks a fellow competitor right in the face when the whole world was going, well, BLM car was okay. You can have a BLM car. Jake Pearson was one of many liberal fucking bumper sticker talking people. Well, why doesn't the Lincoln Project finance Bubba then? That's what we should do. The gay people, or the girl that was non-binary, but she's a girl. She wasn't trans. ABC carried it. This is all on the 4th. A young protester has died from injury. She suffered from a luxury car plowed into her. And another woman during a Black Lives Matter protest in Seattle. That was on July 4th. Now it's a luxury car. But nobody at any time said it was a black guy. They've yet to say it was a black guy. They'll show the picture, but they won't say his race. And that's because every time something happens, you get a bumper sticker person coming out doing this. Her name is Jennifer Scherer. Um, I, I picked it up in the middle. All you need to know is this right-wing extremism is the most prevalent form of terrorism in this country and is fueled by Trump. Let me repeat this. A white supremacist drove a goddamn car into a crowd with full speed in the intention to murder protesters. Two bodies flew in the air like they were nothing. This is what Trump is doing to the country. This is what the, he does to his followers. I came here because I wanted to report to you about a white supremacist attack on BLM protesters in Seattle last night by driving a car into a small crowd, hitting two women and injuring them gravely. The video, however, is so graphic and horrifying. Watch. I don't want to share it. I didn't listen to my friend when they said to not watch it, and I need you to listen to me now. Do not watch it. I was not prepared. And then she locked her account. That was what they were covering. Because they didn't want to cover the top news story of the day. And that was a family. And I'm not even reading all this shit. I'm just going to tell you what happened. And conservatives were rightly saying, why is this not the number one national news story in the country? Why? A family's on I-5. They pull off, because they're not from the area, and they happen to pull into the fucking same old Wendy's that's burned to the ground by the fucking mob, because the mayor of Atlanta has let the mob stay there ever since that guy who beat the shit out of the fucking cops and stole their fucking taser and ran away and then fucking aimed it at him and got shot and killed. And now all of a sudden, tasers are... They're not deadly weapons, but they were two weeks ago. Remember that story? Yeah. They just pulled off. And a mob surrounded him. And the mob shot in the car. And the mob killed an eight-year-old girl. 
this is some of the stuff that the father taught. The location of the shooting was in a parking lot across the street from now burned out Wendy's, which has been occupied by demonstrators since Brooks' death at the hands of Antipa police, Atlanta police officer. Turner's mother and father appeared with Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lace Bombs during a press conference on Sunday where they expressed their feeling over the tra- feelings over the tragedy. They say Black Lives Matter, Turner's father said. You killed your own. You killed your own this time. They killed my baby because she crossed the barrier and made a U-turn. You killed a child. She didn't do nothing to you. They didn't give us time to make a U-turn. They started shooting at my car before it could even make a U-turn. Shooting my tires out. Like, why? Why? Here's the dad. And then here's the mayor on CNN. How could this happen? You know, Brooke, that, that's the question that we're all asking ourselves. And ironically, I found a note on my desk, and I don't even know the context in which I wrote this out, but I said, I don't know the answers because I often don't even know the questions to ask. Mm. And um, I was listening to um, Mayor Lightfoot. She summed it up. We talk about systemic racism and the trauma and anxiety and all these things that are happening in our communities and it is this convergence and and I hate to use the word a perfect storm but it's where we are in this country right now and you think about the leadership or the lack thereof that we have coming from the highest office in the land um, I, I think that you are seeing so many emotions play out and and so too often it's playing out in violence in our streets I want to come back to this concept in the community of a perfect storm, but I do want to ask about the family first. You know, we know the family last night was calling on the community to, to, to work to help find who killed their daughter. Do you have an update, uh, Mayor Bottoms, just on the search for Sequoia's killer? Is there any progress there? And have you spoken with the family today? I have not spoken with the family today, but we have received a number of tips. So. We are encouraged um, by that. There were so many peaceful people in the area and so many people who've been gathering in a peaceful way throughout our city over the past few weeks. Um, so this, this is, has, has not been received well by so many people of good conscience, and people are speaking up, um, and hopefully we'll have something more concrete soon. Okay. And then you made it clear when you were speaking last night, you know, these are folks in the same community shooting each other. And as you also point out, you cannot blame police. Why? Well, you know, the point that I I was hoping to make, and and I hope that it was received that way uh, in the way in which I was intended, the irony of this is that this is on a site that was supposed to be a tribute to a man who was killed by police, um, who spoke about his daughter's eighth birthday the next day. And he spoke about her birthday party and his encounter um, with a police officer. And the irony is, was that in this place of peace and what should have been a, a place of honor and tribute um, turned into deadly violence. There were two shooters is what Sequoia's mother said. One shot from that parking lot of the Wendy's and one shot um, from the parking lot that she was attempting to make a U-turn in. And so it is, there, there are separate issues, but the result is still the same. There is injustice and there is police brutality in America. 
period. But there's also uh, this violence that's erupting on our streets, often between people within the same community, that is also a problem. And to someone like Sequoia's parents and to her nearly 50 loved ones who were with us on yesterday, the result is still the same. Somebody who they love is gone, and I think that we have to deal with both of these issues, and we can't deal with them if we want to put our heads in the sand and act as if they don't exist. To that point, you said this last night, quote, during the civil rights movement, there was a common enemy. Now we're fighting from within. So two questions. How do you stop that infighting? And then what or, or who, in your view, is that common enemy? Well, you know, in the civil rights movement, there was a, there was this, this defined objective, and that objective um, was to receive equal rights for all Americans, particularly African Americans during that time. This movement is a very different movement. It's a more global movement, and I think that at this moment in time when you have so many people interested in making change across the globe, I don't think that it is helpful to this movement when it is being overshadowed by violence and, and things and, and instances that are taken away from the importance of this movement. And so I think that the, this enemy that we have to confront is violence. And whether it's violence from interactions with police officers, whether it's violence within our communities, the impact is still the same on our communities. It's destroying our communities. And I think that they are equally important conversations. I think that we can have the same conversation. Um, I think we can, we have the ability to have this conversation simultaneously. But when you have a child, an eight year old child who is killed, just feet away from the site where we are protesting the killing of an unarmed black man, then we've got to acknowledge that we've, we've got some layers of issues in our communities and we've got to confront them both with, with the same anger and with the same sense of urgency. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, I appreciate you speaking up and out uh, on this and thank you for taking the time with me. And of course, our, our condolences to Sequoia's family. Thank you. Thank you. The dad soundbite was uh, corrupt, but it's, he was just in shock. The mayor originally says, you're, you're, we say Black Lives Matter, but you're killing black, you're killing your own. You're doing more than the police do. Then they go on CNN, Trump. It's Trump fault. But that wasn't the number one news story. No, that's not national news. When a mob of black people shoot black people, that's not national news. Those people did nothing. And to say, well, they should have been more. I mean, I saw somebody say this online. It was a lefty. Well, they should have been paying attention. Dude, I remember one time pulling off in Nashville when I first moved down south. I I got lost as fuck on that I-40-24 shit. And we ended up on the shit side of town. Had dinner and everything. Almost became a statistic because my son walked into a he was a little guy, like five, until Wendy's. He goes, man, everybody's black here. That's what he said. He was a kid. We were the only white people on that side of town. And they laughed, thank God. And this time, we would all have been murdered.
My kid's a racist. Because he says something weird. But yeah, that's not national news. Because that's a nuclear family. And if you look into BLM, they don't want nuclear family. They want to destroy the nuclear family. Because they all hate their family. They're all bumper sticker kids. And they spend all their time dogging anything that's normal. And by normal, I mean what usually the majority of the country does. Mom, dad, brother, sister. Yeah, that's shit. They're not down with that shit. That shit's bad. And I've heard only one black man go back against it. He got crushed for this. Today we're going to have two segments. In fact, I'm just going to play them both now. I'm going to play Marcellus Wiley... And I'm going to play Terry Crews. Wiley's going to talk about, yeah, I looked up BLM, and they want to destroy the nuclear family. And Terry Crews is getting crushed by black people and white liberals because he won't say black lives matter. He says all lives matter. I think it's fucking stupid. And he's getting crushed for it. And, of course, he was stupid, and he went on Don Lemon's channel. You know, talk to Don Lemon. It, it didn't go well. We'll go into a music break. And then we'll come into a couple op-eds. The first thing you're going to hear is the last transmission by a Toledo cop. wasn't national news. He was shot and murdered. But Marcellus, I'm going to start with you. Yeah. Is this a good idea? Ah, it's not a good idea. Um, I do want to give the players credit for their flex to even get this to be more than just an idea, but something that's going to be in reality. I give the players that, um, but... There's a problem with when you start to go down this road of the freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and how much social space is allowed for those who don't support in that same space. And that's where I, I wonder where this is going to go in terms of identity politics. We know what identity politics does. Uh, it, it divides and it polarizes. No matter how you want to look at it, that's just the effect of it, no matter how great the intentions are. And we all know the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So it's an interesting play right here. I don't know how many people really look into the mission statement of Black Lives Matter, but I did. And when you look into it, there's a couple of things that jump out to me. And I'm a black man who's been black and my life has mattered since 1974. And this organization was founded in 2013. I'm proud of you. But I've been fighting this fight for me and for others a lot longer. Two things. My family structure is so vital, important to me. Not only the one I grew up in, but the one I'm trying to create right now. Being a father and a husband, that's my mission in life right now. How do I reconcile that, what I just told you, with this mission statement that says, quote, we dismantle the patriarchal practice. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement. When I know statistics, when I know my reality, forget statistics. I knew this before I even went to Columbia and saw these same statistics that I'm going to read to you right now. That children from single-parent homes versus two-parent homes. The children from the single-parent homes, this is in 1995 I was reading this. Five times more likely to commit suicide. Six times more likely to be in poverty. Nine times more likely to drop out of high school. Ten times more likely to abuse chemical substances. Fourteen times more likely to commit rape. Twenty times more likely to end up in prison. And 32 times more likely to run away from home. I knew that. You know why I knew it? Because a lot of my friends didn't have family structures that were nuclear like mine. And they found themselves 
outside of their dreams and goals and aspirations. So when I see that, or as a mission statement for Black Lives Matter, it makes me scratch my head. When I also see their mission is to eradicate white supremacy. In 2020, white supremacy is the mission. Woo, that's a lot of digging through minutia right there. I am on a show that I'm hosting along with another black guy who is hosting with me, who replaced another black guy. And that's just one example of it. So I understand. I respect your space. I respect what you're protesting for. But will you respect others who don't support that same protest? The Black Lives Matter movement was started because it was talking about police brutality. If you want an all Black Lives Matter movement that talks about gun violence in communities, including, you know, black communities, then start that movement with that name. But that's not what Black Lives Matter is about. It's not an all-encompassing. So if you're talking about, um, if, if someone started a movement that said, uh, cancer matters, and then someone comes in and says, why aren't you talking about HIV? It's not the same thing. We're talking about cancer. So the Black Lives Matter movement is about police brutality and injustice in that manner, not about what's happening in black neighborhoods. If you, There are people who are working on that issue, and if you want to start that issue, why don't you start it? Do you understand what I'm saying? But, but, you, but when you look at the organization, police brutality is not the only thing they're talking about. I know that. But uh, I agree, uh, but that's not I, what the Black Lives Matter movement is about, Terry. If I was you, I'd run. If I was you, I'd hide. If I was you, I'd be afraid. Afraid of what's inside. If I was you, I'd run. If I was you, I'd hide. If I was you, I'd be afraid. Afraid of what's inside. Afraid of what's inside. Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Move outside and let the man go through. 
Here's call 120, 21, 28, call 3, 10, 35, West Lexington, home depot. No. 18, South Israel. I can't copy. 18, South Israel. Oh, yeah. We got crews coming. Any available crews go. All available crews go. We have a suspect in custody. A male ran back behind the Home Depot with a dog. So let's unpack all that. First and foremost, the Toledo was shot and killed. Nobody cared. Nobody broadcast it. That was the last thing he said. Terry Crews and Marcus Wiley have actually researched. And it's liars like Don Lemon that want to say that BLM's just about cops, and it's not. It's a socialist foreign finance group that wants to overthrow the United States and turn it into a socialist country. That's the facts. That's not speculation. That's facts. But you people blindly follow whatever the media says. And right now the media doesn't want the mob on their doorstep. So they're basically lying. BLM has never just been about cops. Nothing on the left is just about one thing. With intersectionality, it's all of it. They package everything. If you're against police brutality, well, you have to be against capitalism, the nuclear family, the Constitution, the Electoral College. You have to be for gays. Free transgender surgeries. It's not a zero-sum game. But do you see what happens when you step out? Even the mayor of Atlanta, she stepped out for a second, and then she went right back into character. Trump. Racism. Later on, we got the mayor of fucking uh, Chicago. All her murders are COVID. That's the reason people are murdering each other. And as you would understand, articles are starting to come out. To fund the police movement leading to increased black deaths, reports say. And the numbers are staggering. Here's New York City. This is one month. June. To June 2019. Shootings. There were 89 shootings in 2019. There's 205 now. Murders. 30. Now 39. Burglaries. 817, now 1,783, and carjackings, 462 to 696. That's just one month. So people bring that out. Black people like Cruz and Marcellus Wiley and others say, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're killing our own people? What the fuck are we doing? It's supposed to be kill whitey, not kill blackie? That's the motto they chant, kill whitey. It's in the fucking streets at every protest. 
Jamel Hill, silver black children were murdered over the weekend, and it's very telling who isn't calling for gun control, but want to bring a version of martial law to these areas. People just mock the shit out of her. Me? It's very telling that racists like you pushes fake agenda that cops kill POC and are a bigger threat than PPFA who slaughters black babies and black-on-black crime that is damn close to genocide combined. All for politics. Lies to get a party who does nothing for you. Blacks elected. The original statue of people coming to the West burned down. 16 statues and memorials were damaged during the Sunday protests, including one dedicated to African-American soldiers. Robert Gould Shaw, the 54th Regiment Memorial, was one of 16 public artworks damaged when thousands of protesters swarmed Boston College. A $3 million restoration project for the sculpture dedicated to African-American soldiers who fought in the Civil War was granted clearance just last week. Now they trash the fucking thing. National Mall. <clears throat> Vandals defaced monuments in the National Mall during weekend protests. The National Park Service said via Twitter, at the Lincoln Memorial, Vandals wrote, Y'all t- not tired yet? And black spray paint. The World War II Memorial had do black vets count? Spray painted in black across the base of one of the reflecting pools. Parts of D.C. woke up Sunday to witness damage left by the protest turned turn looters who turned the streets and smashed windows of businesses in Georgetown and city center. And then you start getting articles that I won't read because I say it all the time. Philip Cross, the anti-fascist left, were the real fascists all along. People are actually writing articles. The hidden agenda of Black Lives Matter. And it's everything we know it is. It is not about black cops. Then you start getting stories like this. BLM Toronto leader believes white people are subhuman. Calls them genetic defects. Whiteness is not human X, reads a statement. In fact, white skin is subhuman X. White people are recessive genetic defects. This is factual. The Post later says white people need... White supremacy as a mechanism to protect their survival as people because all they can do is produce themselves. Black people simply through their dominant genes can literally wipe out the white race if we had the power to. Kigali says that white people have a higher concentration of enzyme inhibitors which suppresses melanin production, adding that melanin is important for a number of things such as strong bones, intelligence, vision, and hearing. It is huge. I'm not reading it. Racist. Deshaun Jackson defends the fake Hitler quote, shares a Louis Farrakhan anti-vaccine video. Then he responded, anyone who feels I have hate towards the Jewish community took my post the wrong way. I have no hatred in my heart towards no one. Equality, equality. Then the Philadelphia Eagles... We have spoken with Deshaun Jackson about his social media post. Regardless of intention, the message he shared were offensive, harmful, and absolutely appalling. They have no place in our society, are not condoned or supported in any way by the organization. Blasey, blah, 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 and he did a really bad apology video. Then we get a full-fledged, throated, shut your fucking trows. Look at the data. There's no epidemic. 
The numbers. It's rare for police to call anyone. A black man is more likely, or to kill anyone. A black man is more likely to be killed by lightning than a police officer. In 2019, police shot and killed. We know the data. Of the 14 incidents of unarmed black people in 2019, men shot and killed by police in 2019. Several involved high-speed car chase, fights with officers, and weapons recovered at the scene. Every shooting needs to be evaluated as on merits, and only one of the involved officers has been charged with murder. According to the FBI Uniform Crime Statistics, there were 686,665 sworn police officers in the United States in 2018. That's one unarmed black male shot and killed for every 49,047 sworn police officers. In 2018, police made 10,310,960 arrests, according to the FBI, and the race was known for 5.6 million offenders. Of them, 1,548, 1,548,690 were black. There were 229 black males shot and killed by police that year, according to the Washington Post, for a ratio of one out of every 6,762 black offenders. The ratio of unarmed black men shot and killed, 23, and 2018, that's where they got the numbers, 2018. He, he just positioned because it's 19 from last year. And 2018 was one out of 67,334. And 2015, about 53.5 million people had at least one contact with police. And 95% of those contacts involved traffic stops, according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics. According to BJS Special Report, 91% of them were white. And 85% of the black contacted police during police during the traffic stops, said police behave properly. Of citizens contacted during street stops, 81% said police acted properly. Only 2% of all citizens contacted by police felt threatened. But this weekend, Auburn Arbery in Georgia, LeBron James tweeted, We literally hunted every day, every time we stepped foot outside the comfort of our homes. That's what they're saying. According to the U.S. Census in July 2019, an estimated 3 million blah, blah, blah. We just covered it. Confounding variables. The 2019 National Academy of Science study found that people of color face a higher likelihood of being killed by police than do white men and women that risk peaks in young adulthood and that men of color face a non-trivial lifetime risk of being killed by police. The study concluded that blacks are 2.5 more likely to be killed by police than whites, but the study finding do not tell the whole story because it fails to account for the confounding variables. If any group engages in more violent crime... They're going to have more problems than we break it down. From homicides to burglaries to everything, African Americans in the city do it all. Urban versus rural. Cities have significantly more crime than rural areas, with urban area urban crime rates as high as 70%, 74% higher than rural. Interracial crimes. While blacks commit the majority of homicides, they are also the group with the highest percentage of homicide victims. According to the 2018 FBI, there were 6,460 known race homicide victims, of which 3,315 were white and 2,925 were black. Whites were 51% of known race homicide victims and 76.5% of the total population, while blacks were 45% of the known race homicide victim, but only 13.4% of the U.S population. That means the homicide rate for blacks was 3.3.5% higher, and that's how they do this. They do it based on the fact that we are not 50% POC, so it looks like it's more, but it's not. On aggregate, 
scientific studies. In 2019, researcher article published by the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science detailing the findings of a study by David J. Johnson. The study analyzed fatal police shootings in 2015 and confirmed blacks, which were 12% of the population, accounted for 26% of those shot and killed by police. But when the violent crime was used as a benchmark, the anti-black disparity disappeared. The study found officers were more likely to shoot suspects of the same race, and more importantly, the number of police shootings should could be predicted by race-specific violence crime. The Collaborative Reform Initiative studied deadly force used by the Philadelphia Police Department from 2007 to 13. The study determined 59% of officers involved in the shootings were white and 34 were black in those shootings. 80% of the suspects were black and the majority were young male. Unarmed suspects were 50.4 and all police shot by police, but 25 were white suspects and 15.8% of the black suspects were unarmed. And then you break it down and it was more black cops shooting the black victim than the white cop. Because maybe the black cops know what it's like to live in a black neighborhood with black-on-black crime that we won't talk about, that Don Lemon will not talk about on his show. CNN won't. Nobody will. And then, with all this media lies, every fucking company buying into the lie... Because they don't want to get Amazon and get their fucking warehouse burned the fuck down. In Seattle and Georgia, we have armed Black Panthers on the streets. And their leader wants their own country, which is Texas. The whole nine yards and then become the backbone. Become the backbone for the military for a new black nation. What is the solution to all of this? The solution is very simple. We follow a declaration of of liberation, declaring every African-American descendant of slavery a political prisoner here in the United States and that was affected by the Portuguese slave trade. And then after that, the United States has a choice. Either A, carve us a piece of land out here, we'll take Texas and let us do our own thing, or... Don't stop us when we exit this body here and go somewhere where they will give us our own land to build our own nation. What is your name and what is the... I'm the official Grandmaster Jay. I created the NFAC. All right. And how long have the organization been in existence? We don't give that information out. Just how we'll tell you this. We're all ex-military. We're all very disciplined. We're all expert shooters. We don't want to talk no more. We don't want to negotiate. We don't want to sing songs. We don't bring signs to a gunfight. We're an eye for an eye organization. So when they decide to act right, we'll decide to act right. And we do it all legally, just like they do. Thank you so much. Thank sir. you Appreciate so much, sir. Uhuru.
news source covered that nor did they cover all the following a high school group getting accosted a church getting accosted tell me if the colors were reversed would this be racist Thank <laughs> you. 
Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. That was in a church. The second one. The one on the mall is just unfucking believable. But we have virtue signaling everywhere while the media ignores us. It hurts people when they see a white man bouncing a brown baby on their lap and they don't know the context. That is harmful. That makes people cry. It makes people log out of our meetings. They don't come here. They don't come to our meetings. And they give me a hard time because I'm not vocal enough. And I'm not trying to be a martyr. I'm trying to illustrate to you that you think I'm a fuck. Excuse me. You think I'm a social justice warrior. And you think I'm being patronizing. And I'm getting pressure for not being enough of an advocate and i take that to heart and that hurts me and i have to learn to make how to be a better white person i would like you to know don't have people telling you that i would like to know before this meeting adjourns how having my friend's nephew on my lap was hurtful to people and was racist can you I, please I, explain tom i have explained it to you you can uh, google you can read a now. book read a book read yeah. Ibram Kendi, Yeah, that, those those were white people. And then we have uh, murders due to COVID from the mayor of Chicago with black on black death everywhere. Complicates the situation as Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot tells me they're all factors contributing to this grim reality. Compared to last year, shootings up 40 percent. Mm -hmm. Uh, homicides up more than 30 percent. Mm -hmm. So and just point blank, up. what is happening right now? All of these forces are coming together at the same time and making it very difficult. The ecosystem of public safety that isn't just law enforcement but is local, community-based, they too have really been hit hard by COVID and are now just kind of coming back online and getting their footing. And what makes it almost doubly impactful in the worst way imaginable is many of these same communities that were being hit hardest by the coronavirus are also being hit hardest by gun violence. The way one family put it to me of a three-year-old who died, we now have children carrying the caskets of children. Erica. Uh, it's, just, it's just so awful. There are no words. Omar, thank you. Uh, meantime, Shimon. We have now this news. 
with a black mother about how hard it is for her kids because they're hunted every day. But she doesn't talk about black on black crime. Black women have been tasked with having to be trauma surgeons. Until he comes home, it's just this constant off and on thought of, is he okay? Mixed with prayer, mixed with me texting him. I really have more fears for my 22-year-old because he's really out and about. And he drives, and I'm always fearful if he's gonna get pulled over, what that interaction is going to be like. Make sure you have your school ID on you. Make sure when you are speaking to an officer that you speak slowly. You don't give attitude or what they would consider sass. And because you're a minor, your very next word should be, I would like to call my mom because I am a minor. These are not conversations that you should be having with your children who are 12. I fear for my brothers, my uncles. My brothers have had police interactions that were not favorable for nothing more than three men together. This is a problem. something that only the black community can do because the black community didn't put the black community in this predicament. So we can't do it alone, right? We need to band together with everyone. While this is all going on, we have a New York City Islamic protest, pretty much like Ilian Omar. A guy in Chicago, to counter her, you know, that video you've probably all seen, just walking down the street with his daughter shot in the head, and a mega protester, or a mega guy, just walking down the street, and he's beat beat to a pulp by African Americans. Forgive my Arabic for a second. Al-Nazi Israel! Al-Nazi Thank you.
Even threw in cops getting attacked by water guns, pouring water in the car so they couldn't get out of the car when they came to a call. None of that's reported. And do I do it to start a race war like the left? No. But this is what's happening as we continue to lie to the public about everything from COVID to cops-involved shootings to what BLM is, you're just getting more and more violence. And as every Democratic-run city allows people just to own the public sphere and do whatever they want, the Wendy's shooting of the little girl is completely on the Atlanta mayor. Why are they still there? You've arrested and charged everyone. There's a new one now. A guy with a gun gets shot. All those cops are going to go to jail, even though he had a gun in his car. National news. It's all for a purpose. Listen to them and believe what they say. They do not want equality. They want superiority. Not black people, the left. They want to do whatever they want. And if you don't listen, like Marcellus Wiley and Terry Crews, you're shut off. You're shut down. They don't want to, no, no opposition to anything. When they get power, they will install a new country. Because they hate this one. And as, as I've been saying for six years, or as long as I've been doing this podcast, they fucking hate you. If you live in the middle of the country, whether you're black, whether you're gay, it doesn't matter. They hate you. They hate the way you live. They hate everything about you. These are dangerous times because we've allowed dangerous people to take over the country pretty much. 18% of the country believes this stupid shit. 72, or 82, excuse me, can't do math, do not agree with us. Twitter's on board, Facebook's on board, the MSM's on board, because they're part of these people that hate you. Hate everything about our country. They've always hated it. They just had their opening to let it come out of their mouth. So, we're going to go straight into woke. And a good way to start it, as you hear the first one, is free, uh, liberal freeform drama. Women are oppressed victims of America's capitalist and patriarchal system. Yeah. A feminist, Brittany Marshall, Nope, the idea of 2 plus 2 equaling 4 is cultural and because of Western imperialism, colonization, we think of it as the only way 
of knowing. Yeah. Turn it up. So when the issue of identity politics comes up in your circles, how do you combat the stigma that the conservative party is overall homophobic? I don't combat it at all because it's none of my business. I don't think that it should be brought up, nor should that fire be fanned. Because sexuality, whether homo, hetero, pan, a, or other, it doesn't define a person. Okay, sure, it doesn't define a person, but it certainly adds to why they might be put into the category of other and therefore oppressed under the system we're all in. Uh, the system being? Capitalism and patriarchy. Right. Okay, I, I see you laughing, and I mean, you can go ahead and laugh if you want, but you are also a victim of the system. You're a woman living in the world, and you can't be immune to the effects of that. We start our woke with the craziest thing that some people have seen, but we've already seen it on our show. City of Seattle's newest training for white city employees only is, well, pretty racist. The City of Seattle, this is Christopher F. Rufo, found it. City of Seattle held training session for white employees called it Interrupting Internalized Racial Superiority and Whiteness. That's a new name. So I did a public record request to find out exactly what this means. First, diversity trainers informed white participants that objectivity, individualism, intellectualization, and comfort are all vestiges of internalized racial oppression. Internalized racial superiority, perfectionism, individualism, imposition, arrogance, patternism, silence... So if you say something, you're racist. If you don't say something, you're racist. Intellectualization, control, violence, comfort, appropriation, cognitive distances, objectivity, anti-blackness. Internalized racial inferiority, colorism, isolation, protectionism, addiction, self-doubt, self-hate, rage, shame, denial. We don't like ourselves, and it's your fault. Sometimes both sides of the coin are oppression. Are white employees speaking too much? That's probably the internalized racial superiority of imposition or patternism. Paternalism, excuse me. Are white employees speaking too little? That's oppression too because silence is violence. What's next? The City of Seattle diversity trainers encourage white employees to practice self-talk that affirms their complicity in racism and work on undoing your own whiteness. Let, let's, I gotta hit this tweet because I don't have the tweet open. I, I just have a story. Alright, here's one of them. Practices for interrupting IRS whiteness, the work of white accomplices. Practice for the self, being clear about who we are in the world, our unique contribution, our purposes as racial justice advocates and organizers, being able to articulate to ourselves and others why we practice our personally are invested in racial equality. Practicing self-talk that affirms our complicity in racism. Racism is not our fault, but we are responsible. Doing your own healing work. What trauma patterns are unwell things? Hitting the pause button to slow ourselves down so we don't react and can recognize when we've had our trauma response activated. This will help us get to know our pattern of IRS and our own triggers. 
cultivating our sense of balance, belief in self, coming from a place of wholeness and authenticity, not ego. Cultivating networks of other white people who are practicing anti-racist accomplishhood so you can talk through your struggles in the work of undoing your own whiteness and showing up as allies and accomplices. Being mindful not to seek affirmation or get off the hook from white people who will try to absolve you from any former races. Tell you you're right. Or tell you that people of color are wrong. Because they're never wrong. What is wrong with you? What happens after the thought exercise? It's time to do the work. The trainers ask white employees to let go of comfort, guaranteed physical safety, control over the land, social status, and relationship with some other white people. Because this is this is the real the real deal, folks. You will join this cult or be shut out of society. Letting go of things we can give up in order to accomplices such as comfort, any exception or presumption of emotional safety that is either uninterrupted or immediately restored, at times guaranteed physical safety. You might get beat down by a black person, but you deserve that because you're white. Control over other people or over the land, relationship with some white people, social status, niceties and neighbors and colleagues is certainly of your job, fitting in all the time, be willing to reject other white people, accept jobs and promotions we are not qualified, including racial equality jobs, white normative behaviors that only work for us when we're operating as individuals. This is a fucking cult. They go through a flow chart that outlines, you know, there's always a flow chart. Do you notice that? They're really big on flow charts in this brainwash. Outlines how white people cause harm to POC. White people keep the system going. System co-ops us through socialization, ego, and IRS to cause harm to POC and each other. IRS mindset and behavior justify why we are superior and have been wronged by POC. Our anger, self-righteousness, and a defensiveness mask fear, shame, and guilt for the harm of our actions. We show up small and inauthentic and unable to see opportunities contribute to allies and accomplices. We are unable to imagine a way forward that comes from a place of humanity, empowerment, status quo reinforced. In case some people are wondering if they're really white, they pass out a dash seat called Assimilation into Whiteness. Are you Arab, Jewish, Finnish, German, Italian, Armenian, or Irish? You're white. No getting out of this. As Dr. Carl B. first reported, the invitation for this training was strictly strictly segregated to white city employees. The goal is to teach them how they have been complicity in the system of white supremacy and must be held accountable to black, indigenous, and people of color. How do you know when you successfully interrupt your whiteness? When you implicate yourself in racism, when other white people may be angry, when you've stopped your white normative behavior. As Conceptual James and others have shown, the new cultural revolution is being fought via corporate HR, city diversity training, and public school curriculums. When you find something like this in your community, expose it, criticize it, and reject it, because it is fascist and racist. That's some racist-ass shit, and it's always on the West Coast. They're into this, hey, you, only white people have to have masks. Only white people will do this. Only white people will not get to go to school. What the 
fucking cult, man. I've been saying it forever. It's a religion. You guys think I'm a fucking moon bat, but it's the religion. And they come up with new psalms and proverbs every day. They're the bumper stickers that they all speak in. Amy Curtis, someone wrote this with straight face. These people are insane. Do not let them have power over you in your life. Mock them. Ridicule them. Fight them. They don't deserve to govern over or dictate to us. This was an article in the uh, Guardian. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to read the title. Glass ceilings and phallic towers, mean streets and dark alleys, road names and statues of men, from the physical to the metaphorical, the city is filled with reminders of masculine power. And yet we rarely talk of the urban landscape as an active participant in gender inequality. A building, no matter how phallic, isn't actually misogynist, is it? Surely a skyscraper isn't responsible for sexual harassment, the wage gap, or even the glass ceiling, whether it's literal one up top or not. That said, our built environments can still reflect patterns of gender-based discrimination. To imagine the city and its structures on neutral place where complicit human social relations are staged is to ignore the simple fact that people built these places. As a feminist geographer, Jane Darkus said, Our cities are patriarchy written in stone, brick, glass, and concrete. In other words, cities reflect the norms of the society that build them, and sexism is a deep-rooted norm. The title, Upward Thrusting Buildings Ejaculating into the Sky. <laughs> what the fucking fuck? And people want to give these people power. Oh my god. Then we had the okay stupidness. April Ryan, legendary E.T. anchor Mary Hart, outraged longtime fans of former Entertainment Tonight host by flashing the white power sign at Donald Trump's rally on Mount Rushmore. She said, okay, I watched the speech. It was mocking, okay. A cop in Portland's under investigation because an old man got knocked down. And he walked up to him and goes, are you okay? You could see him say the words. But it was a white power symbol. And then we get to the woke of the woke. We've, we're dogging TV shows. We've gone after cartoons, classic movies. We've changed pancake syrup. I mean, I say they're the Taliban and I sound extreme. And then you get the Washington Post. Don't worry, I'm not going to read it. Perspective. While offensive TV shows get pulled, problematic books are still inspiring debate and conversation. Oh no, it just wasn't one. <clears throat> the unbearable whiteness of Jane Austen, Washington Post book reviewer, appeases cancel mob. Jane Austen is racist. Books need to be burned. So we've done statues and books. They're the Taliban. Hello? Hello? Anybody out there? And for a side break from the woke madness, mobness, Chelsea Clinton, these experts say we have three years to get climate change under control, and they're the optimists, the Washington Post. That was three years ago. Just remember, same call. Then we have a Boeing guy. Executive resigns over article he wrote in 1987 saying that women couldn't fly jets and women couldn't carry machine guns. The jets was wrong, 
the machine gun's right. And guess what? He had to resign. Yes, boys and girls, that was 33 fucking years ago. Somebody outed him. He's gone. Then we have the other cultist shit. Because it all flows. Remember, it's all together. Climate, gay shit, black shit. It's all a big mob. It is a religion in itself. Pally Morris relationships granted rights in Massachusetts City. So people that want to get in a pile, that's legal. But bigamist, illegal. Do you see where it's going? Black laws, bigamy bad, having 45 wives, good if you're gay. Nah. HUD seeks to allow discrimination against homeless trans people, and no, they don't. They told race, they told people <clears throat> that religious institutions can admit whoever the fuck they want because they're paying for it. That was uh, the advocate. Mm-hmm. Then we have the advocate's usual shit. Three more trans Americans killed and other hospitalized and injuries. No proof it was transit. Black trans woman in critical condition after L.A. shooting. No proof it was actually the mob. Detroit man sentenced to life and murder of two gay men and a trans woman. Not once do they ever say he's a black man. I researched the case. It's like Atlanta. The lead blackout. Then they had a huge article, Transphobia Killed Her Daughter, But Her Legacy Lives in the New State Law. It is believed, because the guy's dead, that he found out she was trans, and then he murdered her. That's what they believe. They don't know, because both participants are dead. So that's one of your count of the just unbelievable trans genocide that's not actually happening. And then we have the Darut. Trump predictably fuels racial tensions at Mount Rushmore rally, says growing danger threatens statues in America, and it sounds like this. The 2020 uprisings are exposing many of the cracks in America's foundation that black folks have always known were there. This fight is about more than police violence. It's calling for an end to white supremacy in all of its forms. White supremacy, the belief theory or doctrine that white people are inherently superior to people from all other racial and ethnic groups, especially black people. But here's the thing, even if you don't believe white people are superior, white folks still benefit from the system of white supremacy in more ways than one. It goes beyond racist white men carrying tiki torches across a college campus. It's the basis for everything in this country, from slavery to policing, from the racial wealth gap to where people can live or whether or not they can vote. White supremacy even affects how students are educated, plus who and how their textbooks choose to honor people within its pages. It's not a coincidence that there are hundreds of racist Confederate monuments across the country, and that hateful legacy of white supremacy continues to this day. In this country, whiteness is valued, prioritized, and protected. Even if it appears subtle, white privilege and its advantages are very real. The most powerful component of this unending cycle of repression that we see as we see, for instance, African Americans pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. It is that this, this thing that I call white rage. So black gays are therefore articulated in a national narrative as coming at the expense of whites. So the framing of zero sum gain has been an 
absolutely lethal and effective weaponized tool of white supremacy to undermine the advancement of African American. There's no denying the powerful holds that white supremacy has had on American society since before its founding. And now more than ever, calls for the system to be dismantled once and for all are growing. And it's no surprise that it's being met with some resistance. I think one of the reasons why far too many whites have difficulty in even grasping the, the notion of white supremacy, why they personalize it in that you know, my family never owned slaves, or, you know, I, I'm not a racist, is that they don't understand that this thing is structural. It is built into the fabric of America. It was designed to dehumanize African Americans. As America's current racial reckoning continues, we must finally confront the systems in this nation that not only benefit white people, but actively oppress all black people. There's a long way to go, but it's about time. I don't know how they do this with a straight face. Trump fuels racial division. You won't even say when a black person commits a crime. You have different laws for blacks and whites. In your mind, you believe that's great. Because then you write articles... Ending white supremacy requires white people to realize that black liberation isn't a zero-come game. They do this. White supremacy noun. The belief theory or doctrine that white people are inherently superior. America loves whiteness. And that love is the expense of everyone else in the country, especially black folks. White supremacy does automatically elevate the privileged whites regarding of any characteristic than whiteness. And you listen to it. That's racist as fuck. Sorry, white America, but all holidays matter. Today is July 4, also known as Independence Day, also known as ID4, according to the 1996 film, a day commemorating when some white dudes won their valiant fight to stop paying taxes to other white dudes, and then it just goes on into Somalia's Independence Day. I should you fucking not. NFL will play Lift Every Voice and Sing before all week one games. This is a very bad idea. Is it because it doesn't make any sense? No, it's because white people. Is it worth to potentially watch angry white folks protest something? That means so much to black people, even though not all black people know what that the fucking shit's about. Because they didn't... No, no. And then they were also on the Karens, because remember, the big push is the election, so you white women suck. Here's a whole symposium on how not to be a Karen. My first question to ladies today is, how can white women not be Karens? Educate yourself, read some books, so that you are aware of the histories and of, of white people and race. I think as well, like just try not to be defensive about things and particularly try not to be defensive about your whiteness so i think a lot of the time when white men are ca- women are karens it's because they are completely unwilling to accept that their whiteness is a privilege and you know they want they want instead to be treated um in a special way because they're women or they or they feel like 
they don't want to kind of interrogate how what how how their behaving might be racist or what they're doing is problematic so i think like you have to be you have to be ready to think critically about your identity and your privilege and yeah and that's really important yeah and don't be so loud like stop stop shouting and stop attacking black voices and, and instead you should be uplifting them mm-hmm. yeah get out of the way basically yeah basically leave <laughs> and then our awokeness for a time I want you to listen to Brian Seltzer this is journalism this is good Now, more than ever, President Trump only seems to make sense if you know how to speak the Fox News language. During the Saturday remarks in front of the White House, uh, President Trump described the American defeat of Nazis and terrorists in the same breath that he warned we are in the process of defeating the radical left. So he made a connection between those. For Trump and his base, the, the country seems to be under attack. That's that's the way to understand this this rhetoric. I mean, this is the Associated Press headline uh, in the front of many major papers today. For the nation's birthday, Trump sees enemies, slams the enemies within. He sees enemies among fellow American citizens. And that's a lot like how Fox Primetime sees the country. Let's talk about this warped view of reality and history with CNN presidential historian Douglas Brinkley. Donald Trump is the InfoWars president. He's a conspiracy theorist, and he works to divide and disunite the country. Here's Buck Sexton, a former CNN commentator, saying we should rally around the idea of wartime conservatism. It was written about last year in Human Events magazine. Is that what you are seeing happen as well? Is that correct? I am. You know, what's the way, I mean, yeah. what's happening is that Donald Trump is Joe McCarthy. He's creating a, what used to be an anti-communist hysteria that you had to smear people in Hollywood that were once socialist or you had to fire people that were in a union that, you know, that used to like the old IWW. I mean, it was it was awful in the 1950s, but alas, McCarthy wasn't president of the United States. We are now seeing McCarthyism running out of the White House. And so the smearing of Black Lives Matters, which is a peaceful protest organization, are suddenly being marginalized and smeared by the president of the United States as being almost vermin. That A decoder. He needs a translator because he's talking about how great America is. That's That's what Fox talks about. Brian Seltzer, because we're going after everything else, they're so butthurt because Tucker Carlson, who's leading all cable news, and I now watch every night, except for last night, it was a bad show. I watch the intro, I don't watch anything else. My pillow props up Tucker Carlson. Mike Lindell firm is advertising on Tucker Show nearly 10 times more than the next largest brand. He did a whole spy chart. chart. It was CNN. It was like, oh my God, why would he? And then the whole world says... Hey, why wouldn't they want to be on the number one show? Then, in the same day, he's a clown. The president's sister, Mary Ann, said, according to Mary. Stephen L. Miller, 120,000 people are dead from COVID-19, and this is what you're going with? Are we not playing that game anymore? Because that's what he was playing on his daily email. But Tucker... Before we get into it, I was going to play it at the very end. He's spot on. He sums up what this is about. And that's why they want to shut him down. And lying. Trump is the most dangerous to his enemies when he tells the truth. 
In fact, they're his enemies precisely because sometimes he does tell the truth, and he did it the other day. On Friday, the president gave a speech at Mount Rushmore. He spoke eloquently about the BLM riots and what they mean for the country. Here's part of it. Make no mistake, this left-wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American Revolution. In so doing, they would destroy the very civilization that rescued billions from poverty, disease, violence, and hunger, and that lifted humanity to new heights of achievement, discovery, and progress. To make this possible, they are determined to tear down every statue, symbol, and memory of our national heritage. Our national heritage, it's something we can be proud of. This country defeated both fascism and communism. Our revolution inspired democratic revolutions around the world, from South America to India. Even today, pro-freedom demonstrators in Hong Kong, where the stakes are very high, wave the American flag to express their hope and their defiance. Our economy and our schools created the world's first and the greatest educated middle class. Our engineers and our scientists invented the airplane and the transistor and virtually everything else in modern life. They also transformed agriculture. They ended famine on most of the globe. Our richest citizens became famous not for the palaces they built to themselves, but for the philanthropy they gave to others. Andrew Carnegie built countless libraries for the poor. John D. Rockefeller eradicated hookworm in the South. These are not the deeds of an evil country. They're the accomplishments of a great country. Yet, as the president pointed out, American school children learn virtually none of this. Instead, our curricula have become a toxic mix of lies and omission, all of it designed to poison our children against the country that formed them. Against every law of society and nature, our children are taught in school to hate their own country and to believe that the men and women who built it we're not heroes, but that we're villains. The radical view of American history is a web of lies. All perspective is removed. Every virtue is obscured. Every motive is twisted. Every fact is distorted. And every flaw is magnified until the history is purged and the record is disfigured beyond all recognition. Every word of that is true. If you have kids in school, you know it may even be understatement. What is happening in our classrooms right now in 2020 is a crime. It is long past time that a sitting president said so. And then Trump kept going. Toward the end of his speech, he defended the core promise of America, the principle this country was founded on, it's the only principle to allow America to survive going forward, a nation where all citizens are equal from birth and as a result enjoy equal rights and equal protection under the law. It's the America our Declaration of Independence describes. We believe in equal opportunity, equal justice, and equal treatment for citizens of every race, background, religion, and creed, every child of every color, born and unborn, is made in the holy image of God. We want free and open debate, not speech codes and cancel culture. We embrace tolerance, not prejudice. 
We support the courageous men and women of law enforcement. We will never abolish our police or our great Second Amendment, which gives us the right to keep and bear arms. We believe that our children should be taught to love their country, honor their history, and respect our great American flag. We stand tall, we stand proud, and we only kneel to Almighty God. This is who we are. This is what we believe. And these are the values that will guide us as we strive to build an even better and greater future. We almost never play sound bites that are that long. Politicians rarely give speeches worthy of it. Most of what they say is garbage, and we don't want to repeat it. But Friday's address at Mount Rushmore was probably the best, the single best speech Donald Trump has ever given. It was a roadmap for his reelection message. But more than that, it was a roadmap for the country itself. Equality, decency, pride in our nation, those were the themes. Naturally, the liars on television deeply hated every word of it. There's really a myth of America that this idea that America treated people well, that they treated men and women equally, that that we founded this country just by our own wits, that that is actually a lie. Much of American political propaganda over the course of our history um, has tried to completely erase, ignore, lie about the, the ugly parts of our history. Mount Rushmore isn't exactly the innocent ode to our founding fathers as described in our textbooks. And it's high time we disrupt that false narrative that far too many people believe. Here we are, celebrating the birth of a nation, independence for white men, at a site described by one Native American activist as, quote, a symbol of white supremacy. If you spent the rest of your life trying to locate, to identify the worst people in this country of 330 million, you couldn't get a pure distillation than what you just saw. These people are liars. They're the same people who spent the last month telling you that the riots you saw live on television were actually peaceful protests against racism. That was a lie. They knew it was a lie when they said it, but they said it anyway in order to undermine a country that they hate. Yes, hate. America deserves to be in flames. That is their view. And this weekend, they said it essentially out loud. Mount Rushmore, they told us, must go. It is illegitimate, just like the nation it celebrates. President Trump will be at uh, Mount Rushmore, where he'll be standing in front of a monument of two slave owners and on land wrestled away from Native Americans. With these founding fathers, with these monuments that we don't want to forget, what do we do with them? Maybe they don't stand in the town square, but should they stand anywhere? Should we demolish them? It's been polluted. It's been desecrated by putting these slave-owning, racist, horrible, horrible white men in 60-foot statues on this wall. When you look at this place, this land, the Black Hills, the history is a dark one. But it's not just the land that has been stolen in a place like Mount, Ru- Mount Rushmore in the Black Hills. It's the, the theft of history, the theft of the narrative. It's worth reminding folks that the man who carved the monument behind me had deep ties to the KKK. The mother of all photo ops, Mount Rushmore. And we know why this president just can't resist going there. So Mount Rushmore is now a symbol of evil, just like your nation. Where's this all going? 
As writer Matt Taibbi put it, quote, CNN even put independence in quotes when describing the holiday. This will end with Wolf Blitzer dressed in a dashiki, pulling the switch to dynamite the Statue of Liberty, end quote. Pretty funny, but suddenly it's getting easier to imagine that happening. On the morning of July 4th, the Washington Post summarized the president's speech, the one clips of which we displayed this way, quote, President Trump's unyielding push to preserve Confederate symbols and the legacy of white domination, crystallized by his harsh denunciation of the racial justice movement Friday night at Mount Rushmore, has unnerved Republicans who have long enabled him. For real. That was not an opinion piece, by the way, on the op-ed page. It was a news story written by two Washington Post reporters. They described the president's defense of equality under the law as, quote, Trump's push to amplify racism. Jeff Bezos' newspaper. Local politicians joined the chorus. The mayor of Nashville canceled the city's 4th of July fireworks. It's what I've been saying on the show for three years. They fucking hate you. They hate the fucking country. They hate everything about it. It's who they are. They've always hated this country. Always. It'll never stop. It's what they stand for. Because they believe that religion. They believe it. So, we go into our soundbite of the day now, and then we're going to segue into This is America. MSNBC starts an interview with somebody, then realizes they're a Trumper, and they drop them like a bad habit. A actual MSNBC person dogs rice for talking about Russia, because she didn't do a very good job. And then CBS getting very inventive on the redskin name. Oh yeah, it hasn't gone away. Now they're going to be the Washington Warriors. But the Warriors, well, isn't there something in there too? I mean, that's still an Indian thing. Can we do anything Indian anymore? Well, my gosh. What can I say except, Debbie, you're going to Paris, and this is the final answer heard all around the world. He's won a million dollars. Folks, finding ways to celebrate safely? I get by. We're in Prescott, Arizona, which is actually the original capital here of Arizona, Joshua. We came out here today because if you're looking for a place of Western spirit and independence, I think Prescott is the place you're going to find it. At the same time, Fourth of July festivities are very much going on as planned here. The oldest rodeo in the country is taking place just a couple miles down the road. I first want to introduce to you Ted, a new friend of ours that we just met. Ted, if I could ask you, here in Prescott, these events are still going on in the middle of the pandemic. What leads you here today? And does the lack of masks, including on your partners? Well, we're here to support President Trump and the Republican ticket. Uh, this is our protest against all the other protests that have been going on in the country. Uh, trying to take our nation down. Are you concerned about we the pandemic? No. We support our police department in Prescott, and we do not support Antifa, which is a communist organization, just like BLM. If you listen to the the founders of BLM, they're communists. If they cared about black lives, really, they would think about the million abortions of black babies, and they would think about the thousands of young black men that are killed in the inner city. But they don't. It's an anti-police organization, and Antifa is just as bad. If you've noticed the... We're going to jump over here, all right? We're going to talk a lot more, okay? You and me, but we got to jump over because we're short on time. Jump over here to Kathy. 
Why, if this intelligence was important enough to have an interagency meeting on it, and it being in the presidential daily brief, as you point out, February 27th, why did he subsequently have six phone calls with Vladimir Putin and didn't raise this issue, and nobody briefed him that he should bring the issue up? Andrea, it makes no sense. None of this adds up. And if, in fact, the president is surrounded by such cowards and incompetence that even when he's trying to invite Putin into the G7 and has these six phone calls. Nobody has the guts to say to the President of the United States, Mr. President, we still, I want to remind you, have credible intelligence that the Russians are trying to kill U.S. servicemen and women in Afghanistan. This is not the time to be handing Putin an olive branch. This is the time to be working up options to punish him. And yet, that's not what happens. So, you know, uh, this is really extraordinary. We have a president who is doing our arch adversary's bidding, it would seem, and he's surrounded by sycophants and weaklings who aren't doing their jobs, who don't have the confidence in themselves and in the mission that they're there to carry out to bring the president the tough messages he needs to hear. Andrea, that's the job of the National Security Advisor. It's not an easy job. Often you have to walk in and tell the president of the United States what he doesn't want to hear and then own responsibility for bringing back to the president options for dealing with that bad news. That's the essence of the job. This is a great uh, day in terms of progress. Chuck Huskin Jr. is the principal chief of Cherokee Nation. It still hurts when uh, depictions of Native Americans or slurs, uh, frankly, are used to uh, in a commercial sense, uh, or were reduced to mascots or caricatures. The National Congress of American Indians also weighed in, writing, This moment has been 87 years in the making. Indian country deserves nothing less. The time to change is now. The tide is shifting so, so, so vigorously. Bill Roden is a columnist with ESPN's The Undefeated. He says team names like the Washington Redskins have no place in sports. They get the history of this name. That There's nothing nice about it. It was never intended to be nice. It was a bloody nickname. It still is a bloody nickname. And I think most people say, we got we got to move on. I had a sound bite with somebody dropping a deuce during a CNN thing, but there was no sound. It was funny as hell. A homeless person in the background dropping a deuce. It was on national TV. Awesome. Then we get articles like this that are spot on. I'm just going to paraphrase after the beginning. Amid demonstration, liberal elites praise violence as a protest tool. Some call them protesters. Other call them rioters. But to America's enlightened elites, there's only word that w- one word that will do. Heroes. And like Batman and the Dark Knight, they are the heroes American liberals deserve. There's an astonishing story in the Boston Globe Democrats, hard to imagine appearing anywhere else, in which Newberry Street shop owners hit by looters and vandals Sunday night still stand by the protest. Heroes. These stores were ransacked and not for survival gear or basic foodstuffs, but sneakers, coats, and luxury goods. No matter. The event on the street in response to the killing of George Floyd was good. Period. If you think it's unfair to throw peaceful protesters and violent rioters under the same bus, you make an excellent point. That's almost as bad as treating all cops like racist murderers throwing bricks at them. Screaming in their faces, calling them pigs, because one despicable dirtbag in Minnesota uses badge to perpetrate a horrific crime. So yes, it's possible to support protests and not support violence. Unfortunately, many members of the social justice platoons are determined to defend both. 
Slate, Refinery93, Vox, CNN, they've all defended it. And they condone beating people in the street. I could pay a Don Lemon about a film Facebook beating of a white person and he didn't think it was evil at all. That's what he said on national TV. Because he hates white people. The 18% of the country, black and white, hate white people, hate America, hate everything. They hate God, they hate fucking the flag. And it all came out. And this is America. Trump's speech broke them, and it sounded and printed like this. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the last soundbite. Like the media say when they are pushing and this is America in 2019. That Trump's push to amplify racism unnerves Republicans who have long enabled him. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what is going on inside the party. Well, there are some fears, Eamon, and they're only really expressed privately at this point because so many Republicans are fearful uh, of getting on the wrong side of this president. But there are real concerns that Trump, uh, with his racial animus, with the sort of messages he's had of late about the Confederacy, is firmly planting the Republican Party on the wrong side of history and that this could hurt uh, the Republican Party with voters in a lot of states like Colorado, Maine, uh, Iowa, where senators are up for re-election this fall, but that it could also have longer-term ramifications if the Republican Party is branded as the party protecting uh, the Confederacy and as the party of white grievance. Uh, Peter, when you look at the events over the weekends, the tone, the messaging that is coming out of it, the New York Times called it uh, an American carnage message, uh, referencing his inaugural address. It seems, Peter, that this uh, culture war messaging is going to be a part of, if not the main focus of the president's re-election strategy. What are you hearing? He says we're witnessing it from the president. These are typically unifying, uplifting speeches from a president over the 4th of July weekend. Not so. No real even effort from the president to do so. Instead, stoking divisions and racial tensions in this country here. The president's remarks um, particularly striking in comparison to what he said in the American car, uh, Carnage inaugural, because there he sort of cast immigrants and, and some foreign countries as the threat. Here he cast other Americans, your neighbors, some of them, as a threat in this situation. During the Obama administration, if you criticize anything he said, uttered, or wore, the tan suit, you are a racist piece of shit. But Chris Saliza said, for the millionth time, Mr. President, we don't pick sides. He went to the 28 most outrageous line from Donald Trump's Mount Rushmore. In this, I've co-put destructive chemistry. He went line by line and destroyed this. So did a bunch of people, but I used him. Destructive Kim is his handle on Twitter. Number one, let us also send our deepest thanks to our wonderful veterans, law informers, first responders, and the doctors, nurses, and scientists working to kill the virus. Get gourmet coffee delivered to your door. If you're desperately missing your local coffee shop or just want to treat yourself, the coffee subscription service delivered gourmet. This is the only time Trump mentions the coronavirus pandemic. 
It's like he's just being a smartass, and it's so disrespectful to the office of the President of the United States. I don't believe that, but that's what they say. Number two, I am here as your president to proclaim before the country, before the world, this monument will never be declared. Uh, was there some sort of movement to tear down Mount Rushmore? Destructive chemistry. Yes, there's a movement. Prior to the speech, activists called it white supremacist speak. So did your network. Three, as yet we meet here tonight, there's a growing danger that threatens every blessing our ancestors fought for. The nation under threat from the liberal horde is the theme of the speech that Trump hits hard repeatedly. There's nothing so motivating as fear in terms of driving people to the polls. It's what your side's doing, Chris. You're scaring people to support anybody but Biden. Four, our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values. It's true. He repeats the same shit. Angry mobs are tearing down statues of our founders to face our most sacred memorials and unleash a wave of violent crime. This speech totally is very, very similar to Trump's inauguration. Dark, dark, dark. We we already covered it. Trump tries to drag America backwards on the 4th of July. Six, many of these people have no idea why they're doing this, but some know exactly what they're doing. Saliza, in Trump's mind, there are only two kinds of protesters, dupes who have no idea, and they're even protesting professional rabbis like Antifa. That, of course, totally dismisses the idea that the protesters, there's a large chunk of them, are committed believers the police need to be reformed. No, they don't! That is destroying a fucking statue and looting America that you guys won't even address on your network have to do with fixing the police. It just shows we need more police, you dipshit. Destructive chemistry to him. Because there is a movement to tear down and destroy statues of America heroes and monuments, they desecrated Grant Washington Jefferson. How does destroying American monuments help the police, Chris? Exactly what I said. Seven, this attack on our liberty, our magnificent liberty must be stopped. Our magnificent liberty... He mocks them. Eight, we will expose this dangerous movement, protect our nation's children and the radical assault, and preserve our beloved American way of life. Again, Trump leads heavily on fear. So does your side, Chris. Nine, in our schools or newsrooms, even our corporate boardrooms, there's a new far-left fascism. He's right! Chris, I look up the definition of fascism. It's this. Destructive chemistry. So colleges aren't extremely left-leaning and indoctrinating children in Marxist ideology. College media outlets and corporations have fired people for different views. Look up Philly Inquirer and New York op-ed firings for recent examples. Talk to Brent Weinstein. Tan. The left-wing culture revolution is designed to overthrow American revolution. Is it? When the New York Times has run the 1619 Project, which portrays 1619 as the true founding of America... You see what he just did? He's so butt-blind, he doesn't realize he just proved Trump's point. Eleven, the violent mayhem may have seen in the streets and cities that are run by liberal Democrats in every case. Make no mistake, this is the language of full-out culture war. See? Trump stoking a culture war. Twelve, our children are taught in school to hate their own country. I took a peek at my kids' curriculum just to double-check this, so I can now officially say there's nothing there about hating America. Bullshit! Thirteen, the radical view of American history is a web of lies. Fourteen, General Washington did not claim power returned to Mount Vernon. If he was smart, he would put his name on it. you got to put your name on it. What has that got to do with it? He used a Trump line. Fifteen, Jefferson was a good dude. 
Someone came along to resist him, pissed him off until we had a two-party system. You haven't met him yet. You haven't had the chance because he's been kicking ass as a bouncer of France. I'm just gonna ignore it. It just this is just everything, every line, nonstop. He ends it with "I love your state. I love this country. I love Lamp Brick Tamblin." From Anchorman. That's what a journalist do. That's what a journalist did. CNN. In a jaw-dropping speech that amounted to a culture war bonfire, President Trump used the backdrop of Mount Rushmore to frame protesters as a nefarious left-wing mob that intends to end America. People's replies. I'm sure it was jaw-dropping to the mopes at CNN. Too much truth scares them. The Marxist mob of Antifa and BLM have made it crystal clear what the goal is, so suck it, CNN. Others, we believe in equal opportunity, equal justice, and equal treatment for citizens of every race, background, religion, and creed, every child, every color, born and unborn, and made it, is made in the holy image of God. It's just like the, the... State of the Union. They don't listen. They already prepare responses to say he's a Nazi. New York Times, Annie Carney. Many supporters liked his speech, but uniting a dividing country did not seem to be his goal. Molly Hemingway, New York Times activists upset the POTUS didn't unify with the violent rioters, statue destroyers, history rewriters, and cultural revolutionists. Everybody responded to her. Washington Post proves what we're talking about. I'm not going to read it. Perspective. It's time to reconsider the global legacy of July 4th, 1776. It's bad is what they're saying. It's bad that we're a country. Michelle Blood, only in the greatest country in the world can the wealthiest man in the world buy a newspaper in which he can openly vilify the country, whose capitalism and robust array of civil rights made it possible for him to be rich. Totally true. And then we have our Drew Holden. In honor of our nation's Independence Day, I put together side-by-side immediate coverage of real Donald Trump's speech versus the text they purported to describe. Fox, this is Brian Seltzer, framing morning after Trump's dark and divisive speech as Mount Rushmore, why the New York Times is wrong to describe the speech that way. They always use dark and divisive. It's, it's a catchphrase. And if it wasn't bullshit, they all wouldn't use it. But everybody uses it on the left. Every media uses it. Because they just hate Trump. Washington Post versus the opening. We gather tonight to herald the most important day in the history of nations, July 4th, 1776. At those words, every American heart should swell with pride. Washington Post. At Mount Rushmore, Trump exploits social divisions, warns of a left-wing cultural revolution and dark speech. ABC, racial divisions versus our fathers launched not only a revolution in government, but a revolution in the pursuit of justice. President Donald Trump pushes racial division. Flotus flouts virus rules at the foot of Mount Rushmore. 
MSDNC, symbol of white supremacy versus the immortal words set in motion, the unstoppable march of freedom. Our founders boldly declared that we are all endowed with the same divine rights given to us by our creator. CNN, culture war bonfire versus before the figures were immortalized in stone, they were American giants in full flesh and blood, gallant men whose intrepid deeds unleashed the greatest leap of human advancement the world has ever known. Ryan Strzok, in a jaw-dropping speech. Dean Obadiah. Let's be clear, Trump in his speech at Mount Rushmore declared war on all those who aren't loyal to him, saying we don't love America and literally called us fascists. Trump is a dangerous, dangerous man whose 2020 campaign strategy is to inspire violence. L.A. Time. At Mount Rushmore, Trump uses 4th of July celebration to stoke a culture war. NPR, on the eve of Independence Day, President Trump delivers a speech at Mount Rushmore condemning protesters who want Confederate statues and monuments removed, as well as what he called a new far-left fascism. Meve Reston. He used Ryan Strux. Atru Rupar. Aaron Rupar, sorry. Trump offers some remarkably overheated rhetoric. There is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance. This left-wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American Revolution. Seth Aberson, PS2, opposition to Mount Rushmore has to do with the land on which it was built, not the monument, or not the movement to say there should be no statues of the founders anyway. And as for those mentioning two statues taken down by a few randos in Portland, is that the movement Trump describes? A few randos. They burned the elk. The fucking elk didn't do anything to anybody. They threw Frederick Douglass in the goddamn bay. An abolitionist black man. This isn't Portland, it's national. Jennifer Rubin. What the fuck? Those who seek to erase our heritage want America to forget our pride, our great dignity, so that we can no longer understand ourselves as American destiny. The heritage of confederacy? He didn't say confederacy. Drew Holden, I think I'll take American future in our hands over it's time to reconsider the global legacy of July 4th from the WAPO. And then onesie missed. This is all on July 4th. Bloomberg opinion. The Declaration of Independence is essentially a long list of complaints. We just celebrated the Declaration preamble, actually not even the entire preamble, just part of the second paragraph about truths the founders held to be self-evident, human equality, divine endowments. That exceedingly brief patch of writing has earned centuries of praise, settling a revolutionary standard of human dignity, albeit one not true in tune with the new nation given the cruelty-tiered classes. After that aspirational sentence or so comes a big long list of complaints. The longest section is dedicated to bitter protest against the long train of abuses and usurpations inflicted by a king. A few sentences in the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence serve to inspire, uplift, and define America. The rest, well, it's kind of whiny. Whiny. The whole world is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? MSNBC, so I'm equal to everybody. Um, you saw, oh, I'm sorry, I'm fucking it up. Let me get back here. 
going to celebrate presidents, some was advocating slavery and who in fact owned slaves themselves. It's going to be a culture war election. And I'm on the side of white supremacy. I'm on the side of holding up the status and relics of those that represent the dehumanization of people of color, particularly black. Al Sharpton. Mm -hmm. There's another side that harkens back to where Native Americans were slaughtered, where black folks were demeaned on a regular basis, and so we're having this conversation about Confederate monuments and what it means as American citizens to walk past the shadow of a reminder of the very ugly American past. Here we have Mount Rushmore, two of the four presidents to enslavers. We love to go to Harold George Washington, but let's not forget about the Fugitive Slave Act. Tremont Lee. I think that what we heard tonight is a message from a president that out of step on the dual pandemics of both coronavirus and racism. Aaron Haynes. Much of American political propaganda over the course of our history has tried to completely erase, ignore, lie about the ugly parts of our history that we would be better to simply address and move forward. Airy Melbourne. No, during Republican presidencies, that's all you focus on. And then it just goes away. When you have a Democrat as president. Um, Donald Trump choosing to speak in front of a monument with his advisor previewing a speech that will dig into the racial culture war. Melbourne again. Perry, is the Trump administration ignorant of all those things that are they're choosing to be ignorant of and make all those stops across the country? When you look at this place, this land, the Black Hills, the history, it's a dark one. At 11.30 p.m., it's also worth noting that some of the rhetoric at the event has very much had to do with upholding the symbols of the nation. I don't know that history is on President's side in terms of lionizing these images or denouncing some of the institutions like journalism, for example. 1050, some dude named Lee. It's a theory of history, the theft of a narrative in places like Mount Rushmore or spots and communities all across the country where Confederate monuments have been erected. So now Mount Rushmore is a Confederate. I can't even read anymore. It goes on and on and on and it ends when somebody makes you know a sort of dark film rendition of these awful, awful four years. This, you know, surreal and nourish and frankly kind of fascist is an eccentric special spectacle. It's going to be part of denouement. Yes, the fascism of the left will be documented when the silent majority goes, what the fuck is wrong with you? They ran a goddamn cartoon. Chuck the Constitution. First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting the rights of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government to redress of grievance. Trump. You have to dominate or you'll look like a punk. And they put a swastika on his jacket. Nowhere in the First Amendment does it say you can destroy property. Nowhere. Rich Noyles did a great article. Look it up on MRC because I'm not going to read it. It goes back to 91. Melissa Harris-Perry, Katha Pollitt, Boston Globe. Oh, say we've seen too much. The Star-Spangled Banner pushes like a cough through America's mouth. And the twilight's lack gleaming is just that. A sickly flash above our heads as we ride unsuspecting into the bellies of sleek trains, plopped to our knees in churches, embracing the truths that disgust us. That was 1991. He goes through all of this from the Winter Games. I mean, it's a litany. 
of how many people hate America on the left, and it just coincides with Republican presidents or elections. And then the New York Times, just yesterday, publishes what we started the show on, a manifesto, an economic manifesto, calling for reparations and overthrowing the capitalist system. And then we find Virginia Dems draft proposal to downgrade assault on police to misdemeanor. New York law proposes, among dozens of suggested criminal justice reform, that NYPD officers get their own insurance. That's how far they'll go. Because they are the fascists to drown out a patriotic speech. They prepped it. They during it. I mean, they prepped it. Who do you fucking think financed those people trying to block the road? During it and after it. Because they didn't air it. That's an all-out assault on the only speech Trump's done. that I went, yeah. He's right. And yet, we're wrong to say you hate America, you hate other Americans, and you should not be in charge of anything. You shouldn't even be a hall monitor. Because you fucking despise the very country you're telling us we need to make you in charge of. And you've laid out nothing in four years but hate, overthrowing everything we do to make sure that only you get money, socialist ideals, two laws for POC and gay people and white people, and you've destroyed everything because your base has been listening to you, Democrats, and the media, and they're carrying out what you've been telling them to do. Do not let conservatives in the space. Anybody who doesn't agree with you is a Nazi. They stopped with the white supremacy violence reports because they know nobody believes it in anymore. The fascists, the violent people are the left, the 18%. And I wanted to end on a funny thing, and this is Ray Diggs, a black guy. And as Marcellus Wiley, Terry Crews, and quite a few, I'm sure, I would say the majority of African Americans are starting to wake up to what BLM really is. And his YouTube channel, when you find out what the organization's about, and you watch them at a rally, because he's against police brutality, and then you hear everything else, and you can see his face under his mask going, what the fuck am I doing here? Corrupt file, I can't find it either. Son of a bitch! I thought I subscribed to it on YouTube, because he's got a YouTube channel, but I can't find... Let me try one more time. Maybe I was looking wrong. I go into my live uh, subscribed 
subscriptions. Let's look one more time. I want you to hear this because it's just fucking hilarious. I know I explained it, but it's so fucking funny because it's the stuff Marcellus Wiley is sitting there, but it's in real time. And the way he did the video, I can't fucking find it. It's so good. Mm. That's too bad. That was funny because it's, it's what a lot of people are going to wake up to. Because now that we're past, well, it's about cops. And we're into the politics of it. People are going to go, what the fuck? No, I'm not for that. And once they start researching the real crime statistics, they're going to go, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. Why the fuck aren't we fixing black on black crime? Why? I mean, I think I could sum the show up with what I've been saying, and I say it nauseam. I said it a lot during this podcast. Listen to what they're saying and believe them. They're the real fascist. They project the other side's fascist, fascist and violent and all that stuff just to protect themselves and have cover for their fascism and violence. And it's an election year. Our media will fucking go in on anything that comes from the far left. They're printing it now because they think it's going to drive people to the polls. But the more and more I read on Twitter, the more people are going, whoa, 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 time the fuck out. What is wrong with you people? What is wrong? And then a fucking reporter at CNN would go with a totally racist version of America, the 1619 Project, that once parents start seeing what their kids are learning, are going to reject wholesale? I think the left underestimated the American people. And I think they're going to realize they went too far Because that tweet I read in the beginning sums this election season up. A lot of people were looking to go back to normal with Joe Biden. Trump's extreme on his tweets. The media's extreme hating him. He's extreme hating them. But then you see what he's doing and what he sides with and what he believes in. And then he says, transform the country. And the middle of the country just retracts and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. And then all the media does is carry the far left. There's no pushback. There's no polls. Because none of the polls align with what they believe. So they don't publish those polls. Only 18% of the country agrees with all this shit. And last I checked, 18%. Don't win no election. So this wraps up another episode of Flavor Politic Podcast. Please share this with family and friends. And send comments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Pop podcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down, and Pocket Cast. Check out the Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. Our next podcast will be the 14th, I believe. Let me double check. The 14th of July, year of our Lord, 2020. Until then, stay safe, buy ammo, get guns. If you ain't got a gun, you better go get a gun. 
Especially if you're in a city that's going to defund the police. Crime rates are through the fucking roof and it's only going to get worse. Because they believe that's what people want. That's why they suppress Atlanta shooting of an 8 year old. Make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Walk away from social media as much as you can. It isn't good. And tune back in next Tuesday for another episode. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Makes every day count. Thank you.